What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode one of the Black Menaces podcast. I am your host, Nate, and this is my co-host, Rachel Weaver. We are super excited to be here with you guys for the first ever podcast episode of the Black Menaces. Yes, indeed. We are very excited. And so today is just going to be more of a get to know you uh, type of session for the Black Menaces. There's a lot of questions that we get all the time. And so we're just going to answer those questions and then also answer a few of the listener letters that we've gotten. Um, so just to, to jump right into it, Rachel, yep. you got a question for us? Yes, this is probably our most common question I think we get is, are we Mormon? Are we members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? Nate, what is your answer? The answer is yes. We are all <laughs> members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints also known as the Mormon Church, also known as LDS. And uh, yeah, we're all in varying levels of activity and cynicism, I suppose, about the church. I don't know what's the best way to say that. Yeah, we all have different feelings about um, the church, but we all are members. That is how we found BYU and chose to come to BYU was mainly because of our faith and wanting to be with people who were in the same church as us. Yes, indeed. Which brings us to our second question. Why did we come to BYU? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's a loaded one. But uh, Rachel, you want to go first? Yeah, I can. I mean, just a little background on me personally. I was choosing between BYU and Spelman College down in Atlanta, which if you didn't know is a HBCU, which stands for Historically Black Colleges and Universities. And so I was kind of choosing between two very different experiences, be a minority in my faith at Spelman or be a minority because of my race at BYU. So I went back and forth for a while, but I ultimately chose BYU over Spelman because I knew that I wanted to go on a mission for the church my senior year. And so I wanted to be at a university that would help me and encourage me to live church standards. And I thought, well, this will be the only time in my life that I can be around a bunch of people who are in the church. Um, and I wanted a bunch of friends who were in the members of the church. I had never had that before. So I really was hoping for the opportunity to um, just be uplifted by people who were like me spiritually and had like the same goals and morals as myself for four years. Yeah. Uh, for me, kind of a similar experience in some ways and different in others. Uh, you know, when I, when I was growing up in Michigan, um, I was the only white kid in my ward. Only white kid? I'm sorry. What? Uh, that's the wow. second time I've done Nate that. Nate is you know, white? Maybe it's like a <laughs> subconscious thing. I don't know. Maybe secretly I, I want to be like the opposite of Rachel Dolezal. Yeah. <laughs> Transracial. Transracial, but, but you're going white. I don't know. I, I mean, don't, my name, I don't Nate know Bird, I, I, I could yeah, go either could. way, right? <laughs> um, but no, so I was, I was the only black kid growing up in my ward, like me and my siblings. Um, and our family was usually the only black family. And if there was another black family... Um, they weren't usually active in the church. Um, and so growing up, I was always around white kids, always um, trying my best to fit in with them. Didn't really fit in that well, but I sure was like doing my darndest, you know, making jokes and, and just trying to be, but like I always kind of felt on the outside of things, um, you know, partially because of that. And then partially just because of the way I was raised, it was a little bit different than my, my white counterparts. And so um, coming to BYU, obviously when you're a member of the church, the goal is to get married um, after you get home from your mission and to, you know, grow up and just be righteous and holy and all those kinds of things. And for me, it was never in doubt that I was going to marry a black woman, right? 
That was Her. always, that was always a love to hear you know, it. If one thing you'll know about me, Big Nate protects black women. As right? he I should. I may not be perfect, but I know, I know that. And so uh, I was never in doubt, never in question. So, you know, I thought by coming to BYU, this is one of the big reasons I thought by coming to BYU, I would be able to find a black woman who had the same standards and beliefs as I did mm -hmm. in the church. And then um, also I came out here because I thought that I would be able to find friends and, you know, peers who believe the mm -hmm. same as me and thought the same way. And so I got out here and I realized that, um, you know, all the people that had told me about BYU were not actually... Uh, giving me a, an unbiased opinion, right? Because everybody that went to BYU and was still in the church when they moved away and all mm -hmm. these kinds of things, they loved it. And they had a great experience, um, but their experience was different from mine because they were white, they fit in with everybody, um, and that's what they kind of knew. That's all they knew. But me going there, being a, a, a black member of the church, I got there and I was surrounded by white members of the church who had very different upbringings than myself and very different standards of, of keeping the, the gospel yes. principles and yes. all those kinds of things. So, you know, my first roommate when I got to BYU, uh, you know, he, he was sneaking off to the girls' dorm every <laughs> single night. And for me, I thought that, you know, people were going to be here um, doing the opposite of that, like making mm -hmm. sure that they were staying chaste and, you know, not having sex before marriage, all those kinds of things. And so that was a shock to me at the time. Um you know, now I don't I don't think I would care as much. But back then, that certainly was yeah. a shocker. But, you know, it just kind of enhanced the feeling like, man, I don't fit in here either. Um, and, you know, I've been lucky I was able to find a good community. But, yeah, getting here was very different from what I expected. Yeah. That's the long answer, I guess. Yeah, no, I think we both had expectations of BYU, of people who were in our church. And I think we were both let down in different ways. Um, which I feel like is the saddest part about leaving BYU for me is that I was let down in many ways. And like you, Nate, I also, I think part of the reason why I wanted to come to BYU was because of the, the marriage aspect. I wanted to be married, right? At that time, you know, being in the church, I wanted to stay active for my entire life. I wanted to find a spouse who was also wanted the same things as me. But coming here and dating as a black woman, that is a whole nother topic and a whole nother podcast episode um, was interesting. And also, um, I've always been a more liberal, socially aware person. And just the demographics of people here and where they come from, a lot of the people at BYU just are not interested in the same things that I am and care about things in the way that I do. So that also made finding a spouse difficult not that that was my main goal but I mean in the wards that we grew up in I don't know if you experienced this Nate but people everyone I, that I knew got married at BYU they got married in their undergrad and you know happily ever after and that's how you are a good member of the church that's how you're able to create that eternal family that I mean it's almost like a lifeline in the church pretty much and so along with being spiritually uplifted I was like well this is also kind of my only chance to meet somebody and also like you Nate if I was going to meet a black person there's 30,000 students at BYU number wise there's still probably more black people at BYU who are members than other places so the irony for me is that I didn't even meet my wife at BYU I just <laughs> met her in Provo so I, like, I could have done that anywhere but I got lucky I got a, I married a wonderful woman a black woman period that be known and um 
Yeah, but you know, it, it, the things didn't play out the way I expected them to, but they played out for my good, as they say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the next question. We spent a long time on that. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm, I'm not upset about it. Let's see here. Do you have other ones from? Uh, I do. The Tiki Talk, as they say. Um. So, sorry. Let's go to your question that you have on the email and then go to these. Sorry, I just don't have one 100% pick. I mean, we could answer this one if you would like. I mean, sure, let's go for it. Okay. Um, so this is from one of the questions when I did my takeover on the Instagram um, a few days ago. And someone asked, and I wanted to answer it here because those Instagram videos were too short to answer this. But it said, I read that the Mormon church didn't allow black members until the 70s. Oh, I guess they were saying didn't allow black members in until the 70s. How do you feel about it? So, yeah, I feel like there's a, we should correct some things there. Maybe I'll just give like a recap. Yes. So I think this person is referring to the temple and priesthood ban. So prior to 1978, black people, um, well, during Joseph Smith's time, when he restored the church, black people were given the priesthood for a period of time. And then once Brigham Young became the prophet, he instilled a policy that black people could not hold the priesthood, nor could they enter the temple. And that was in place in the church until 1978. Was it June 3rd? June 8th. June 8th. Sorry. June 8th, 1978. And so... Like yeah sorry i just didn't remember the date you see a three and an eight are close in the in the visual right so okay but um yeah and so black people were not allowed to enter the temple that is really important in terms of receiving covenants and ordinances in our church and men were not allowed to hold a priesthood so that's what that person is referring to and so how do you feel about that nate well <laughs> so with that one Obviously, it's angering, it's frustrating, um, and is there's a lot to, to try and reconcile there. Growing up, didn't really talk about that at all. My parents didn't talk about it. Um, we didn't talk about it in church. That was always very brushed over. You know, they they would pass through that one as quickly as possible. Kind of like when you have that like one little chapter uh, in in history class <laughs> in high school where it's like, oh, by the way, they were slaves, but it's all good because Abraham Lincoln freed them. It was kind of the same yep. thing. Uh, blacks in the priesthood is like, oh, by the way, black people couldn't have the priesthood and go to heaven, but it's all good because that changed, you know, forty years ago. Um, so didn't really talk about it growing up, but as I learned more about what that meant, obviously it was very angering, and it showed me um, that there were a lot of things in the past of the church that we don't address, we don't talk about at all, mm-hmm. and because we don't talk about it they don't go away. And so nowadays you still got a lot of, of racism in the church, a lot of uh, ignorance and a lot of, um, you know, people who still believe that black people are less than or are, um, you know, on a lesser tier than others. And most of them will never admit that out loud, but a lot of people still believe that, especially among the older population of the church. And uh, we saw that through Mr. Wilcox's comments just mm-hmm. a few months ago. And, uh, you know, before that, in the printing of the Come Follow Me manual for the Book mm-hmm. of Mormon, uh, which is like a, it's like a Sunday school study guide. Um, and they printed in there that um, 
dark skin was the sign of the curse, but it's not a sign of the curse anymore. And uh, then they recalled it after everybody saw it. And they're like, oh, never mind. They changed it. But the fact that they allowed it to be printed in the first place. Yeah. Like our church is so careful what they print and what they write and what they say. How many people was that approved through before it was allowed to be printed? We know how many edits everything goes through. Right. And the fact that it made it through however many people, how many chains of commands. And no one saw that and said, hey, maybe we shouldn't print this. Is alarming to me as a black person. Um, but my feelings are very similar to Nate. I think it's not just alarming and sad to know that that policy was in place for so long. But for me, it's more alarming and sad to know, A, of how it came to be personally. If you know anything about our church's history, to me, I think it's a little shady that it also came at a time that a temple was being built in Brazil. And in Brazil, almost everyone has African ancestry. And the church kind of realized, wow, are we going to DNA test every single person trying to enter the temple? Because um, that's where most of the slaves are actually brought during the transatlantic slave trade. They were brought to Brazil. And so most people in Brazil would not have been able to enter the temple because they have African ancestry, but they are building this temple there. And all these people in the church were, because you could have been baptized, but they were not going to be able to enter the temple because they would not have been allowed to because of the policy. Um, so I think that the timing is really interesting. Not saying that was a hundred percent the cause, but if I just look at facts and that's a fact. So I think that that's interesting. Um, and also that currently, like Neha said, there hasn't been done, there hasn't many things been done currently to um, correct the wrongs that were done in the past, other than getting on the stand and saying, we root out racism, which is great, and I love that, but there's been no actual recognition for specific acts, for specific comments, and um, helping to root out those um kind of doctrine that was made up to justify the priesthood ban and those haven't fully been rooted out of the church because there's been no statements made at a general conference which i think impacts the church a lot and people pay more attention to than something that's printed on the church's website can't add anything else to that (laughs) any other get to know you questions let me see um there are some have you balanced personal um you can answer we can start with that i okay. go ahead i don't know if i have the best answer to this question coming up <laughs> all right so i don't know if this person wants to remain anonymous or not let's keep so them anonymous. anonymous yeah um but this says i'm just gonna read what it says i am 16 right now and have been raised in the church my entire life i've always had a pretty strong testimony but recently i've been struggling with my own opinions involving lgbtq plus rights Abortion, feminism, modesty, etc. I still believe in the atonement, heaven, the Godhead, which is the belief that um, there are three people um, that will not be the three beings that we worship Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost. So that's the Godhead. Anyway, uh, I still believe in that, um, the Book of Mormon, and Bible and stuff, but I don't really agree with some of the tropes about members of our church. Mm-hmm. Like when people find out I'm Mormon, they automatically assume I don't like gay people and stuff. And I don't like the fact that I'm associated with that. I'm starting to wonder if I could remain in the church when we are told to believe certain things that I don't think Jesus would want us to. Excellent question. I'll be sure to send you an email so that you know to listen to this episode. 
Thank you for that. Um, with that one, it is tough. Mm-hmm. Welcome to my lifelong battle. <laughs> lifelong. No, seriously. Ever since I've pretty much been aware and able to think for myself, which I feel like you're in your early teenage years, this has been me. <laughs> yeah. I've been asking myself this. Yeah, and I think the, the attitude a lot of times within the church is, oh, you know, I think back in the day they used to say, put your questions on the shelf, don't think about them. Mm-hmm. And then they changed that to, I guess the new term was doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith. Yeah. And then it was, you know, oh, question your, you know, question these questions and things like that. And Then, then it turned it. into, did you ever hear the uh, primary and secondary questions? It was like a devotional given. I forget by who. I heard cool. it on my mission, but people were eating that up for a while too. I'm sure they were. But you know, those are secondary questions. Yeah, Can you answer the primary? <laughs> the primary are <laughs> oh, yeah, like exactly four questions. Yeah. yeah. So focus on the important questions. It's like, is the Book of Mormon true? No, is Joseph Smith a prophet? Was the church restored? And it's one more. I forgot the other. Yeah. But and then kind of the idea is like, oh, if those things are true, then everything else is true. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it. And it's like, okay, that doesn't, that doesn't help, right? So to answer this question, the best way to balance your personal beliefs with the church, with the teachings of the church, um, you just got to realize that it's two separate things, right? There's, there's church, there's church culture, and then there's the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So if you go mm-hmm. back to the scriptures, if you go back to the, new, the Old Testament and New Testament, Jesus Christ lays out everything you got to do. Right. He said the highest laws are to love your neighbor and to love God. Right. And that applies to any aspect of life. Like whether you're religious or not, if you're being kind to others um, and then, you know, you're just you're living your life in a way where you can be kind to others. You can treat people the way that you would want to be treated. Then that's that's the most basic thing. Right. So anything that goes against that, probably not from God. Right? Yeah, probably is is some kind of, of man-made doctrine or teaching. All right. And it's difficult to balance. But for example, for like 170 years, members of the church swore up and down that black people uh, were lesser than that. Black people weren't as good as as white people in the church. And that's why they swore. Did, yeah. Just up and down prophets, like to their apostles, grave. Yeah. Took it to like everything. Right. So they said that. And then. When it came out, oh, black people can have the priesthood now. Then right after that speech, literally right after that speech, uh, Bruce R. McConkie, who was like our favorite person, forget everything we have said. And that was it. They never, like that's no supposed to erase all of your problematic doctrine that you taught pretty much. Right. And so, I mean. To, to, he's just to just dismiss 175 years of of those kinds of teachings hearing that taught me like okay i don't need to be taking everything so seriously there are a lot of things i need to take with a grain of salt mm-hmm. and i need to compare it back to uh just basic human decency right yeah so if you are teaching that one human being is less worthy or less good than another human being that goes against that teaching, right? That goes against the teaching of Jesus Christ is love everybody. If you are teaching that uh, one person is less deserving of, of blessings or of certain rights in life because of the way that they're living or because of the way that they were born, also doesn't line up, right? So anything that goes against those rules, I just kind of say, okay, I got to take this with a grain of salt. 
anything that treats another human being as someone less than I got to take that with a grain of salt and I got to realize that, okay, that probably is something that's not right and it's probably going to change. We don't know what the future holds. It's a very good possibility that 10, 20 years down the line, gay people will get married in the temple. Mm -hmm. I may be blasphemous right now, but, you know, in 1968, if I had said something like that about black people, probably would have been the same deal. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. But um, to balance those beliefs, you just got to realize that not everything has to be true some things can be true and some things can be false and you can still uh, maintain your identity as a member of the church as far as what other people think people are always going to have misconceptions and you just got to yeah. be the exception to the rule right yeah um amen to everything nate said i think for me and i've had this discussion with lots of people argument with people even i always lean on the side of loving people and showing people that I care about them as an individual and their struggles. And some people in the church struggle with that. I feel like they're so caught up on the letter of the law. They're so caught up on following doctrine the exact way that it needs to be taught. And I just remember the two greatest commandments was to first love God and to second to love your neighbor. And I think that at the end of the day, that's how I try to live my life. That's how I try to live the gospel of Jesus Christ is by loving my neighbor. And I much rather be the person that someone who is air quote different in the church feels like they can talk to and have a support system in than being someone that affirms what they already know makes them feel marginalized. Um, and so that's what, that would be my piece of advice to you is always be that person. And I can't say that it's going to get easier. If anything, it probably is going to get harder, especially for me, the more people I meet who are amongst these communities, right. Or the more I'm exposed to, especially being out here in Utah, the more issues I see and find, but just if you're, you need to know if your goal is to stay active is to focus on those things and you can still give space for the things that are need improvement and work towards them. But remember, at the end of the day, really just try to fulfill those two great commandments. and But also be open to the idea that you don't have to worship God in this space. Not that I'm encouraging anyone to leave or to go or to stay, but we act like this is the end-all be-all. And I know people in different um, religions, different faiths, whatever it may be, who are very happy and that you can, as long as you feel like your relationship with God is strong and you feel like you're able to connect to your savior the most, that's where you should worship and keep that in mind. And if there's something preventing you from feeling like you can feel God or feel the spirit or connect with your savior, then that's when you need to really evaluate where you need to be and um, where you should spend your time worshiping. Amen to that. Mm-hmm. Probably do one more and then wrap it up for the day. Okay, one more. Oh, I feel like we're doing pretty good for our first podcast. I'm enjoying myself. Mm-hmm. Also, Rachel, you have a golden voice. A what? A golden voice. What does that mean? Just like a really nice voice. Like I know some people have. T- I've heard that actually a lot from people. Um, I guess we. This would be good to stay on the same vein. What makes you stay in the church? <laughs> not us both making the same face if you guys are not seeing our visuals me and nate both um put our lips up in the air in a puckering face like mm-hmm. 
Yes, the Menace Society gets the the video access, but um, I mean, I guess I can start. I think, I mean, just being transparent, I don't know if I will stay. Um, and I say that because I just don't know. I genuinely do not know what the future holds, and I'm open to whatever. Um, I try to honor my feelings and go with that. But what has made me stay up to this point is I can't deny some of the experiences that I've had in the church to that have helped me to know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. I will never deny those experiences. Um, and that is what has helped me up to this point. It's not even like eternal families. It's not even the Prophet Joseph Smith and all these things. It's literally this is where I have felt God. This is where I have understood who Christ is. And um, I will never not recognize those experiences as being real and as, as helping me to know who my Savior is for me and how much he loves me and cares about me. So whether I'm in this church or not, I will always be a follower of Christ. I will always be Christian. Um, yeah. I don't know about you, Nate, what you have to say. That, that's kind of all I have to say about what's helped me stay. Yeah, for me, what makes me stay in the church, I can also say that I honestly don't know because really the church has been a greater source of disquiet and frustration than it has of peace mm-hmm. in recent years. Uh, the more that I become aware of the people, right? the gospel of Jesus Christ has always brought me peace. Um, the principles that are taught <clears throat> the principles that are taught in the scriptures in the Book of Mormon and the Bible have always brought me peace. But, um, yeah, the people in the church, especially here in Utah, have really been trying my patience. And uh, when I go into mm. a church building, it is not a peaceful place. It's not a place where I feel welcome. It honestly feels like I have to put on armor mm-hmm. uh, to go into church. Literally. You know, kind of You're supposed to be what, putting on the armor of God. You go out in the world, but for me, I put on the armor of God when I go into church. I just got to shield myself from whatever nonsense is said over the pulpit. Um, And so, you know, if anything is going to drive me away, it's going to be the people, not the teachings. Yep. Um, And yeah, that's that's that. But for right now, I'm here um, because I, I believe in the Book of Mormon. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, um, yeah, this just it feels like this is where I need to be right now because this is uh, it's uh, it's the best thing for me right now. As tough as that is to say, uh, but yeah, if anything sends me away, it's gonna be just about all the Utah Mormons. Yes, and and I always say that too that I'm open to. Um, I think being in Utah has been really hard for me in a lot of ways, and I think if I left this space, I think. Um, worshiping again with LDS people would feel different not just because mostly because I would be with people who also think differently because I'm a firm believer that I mean I know this from experience that people in different parts of the United States um, understand the doctrine of Christ differently and practice it in different ways and so I think um, I also think me going to church in different places would also help with that in lots of ways And, and I'm open to that I'm not saying that I'm not but um, right now within this particular space um, 
it it seems rather difficult, like Nate said, to uh, feel like this is a place that is bringing that peace and comfort that I've always felt prior to coming to BYU. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um, people outside of Utah, members of the church outside of Utah, also have a better understanding of what it's like to be a minority mm-hmm. uh, because they are a minority in religion, right? And everywhere else, people are, um, you know, Catholic or Baptist or you know, Protestant, whatever they may be. Uh, but here in Utah, everybody is the same. Everybody is white. Everybody is LDS. Everybody is, you know, fairly affluent. There are a few, you know, there's some people who are not. But for the most part, people in Utah tend to grow up in well-off households. And so uh, they just kind of grow up surrounded by people who think and feel and believe pretty much exactly like them yep. in a lot of different ways. And it just creates a dangerous, dangerous society. Um, so uh, when you are when you have a chance to, to be... Marginalized or a minority, it makes you think a little bit differently, and it makes you more accepting of people who share that experience. And in Utah, you just don't get that. So, yep. Unfortunately, because the people in Utah who have been the most comforting and understanding are people not from Utah, Mm -hmm. or people who they moved here in their later adult life, or just to raise their kids. You know, like or even people who did their years before their college which seems so far away, it still puts them in a different mindset and different mentality and gives them a different empathy than people who were born and bred here. I'm trying to think. I think all of my white friends, maybe not all, but like for the most part, I'd say like 95, 99% of my white friends here in Utah are not from Utah. Yeah. Maybe there's a few, but most of them. Or they're not members of the church or something. Like they're not just, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's different out here. Yeah. Anyway, I think we'll leave it at that. Yes. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of the Black Menaces podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Black Menaces YouTube page. You can find us on TikTok and Instagram at the Black Menaces. And you can also subscribe to our Menace Society for access to video episodes of our podcast, as well as exclusive merchandise offers. Rachel, anything you want to add before we go? Um, No, just... Make sure to submit any questions you have to the podcast email, which is theblackmenacepodcast at gmail.com. And you can submit any questions to us and we will answer them on our episodes, um, as well as um, any menace moments that you have. You can share with us ways that you have been a menace in your life, whether it be this week, this year, or this month, whatever you feel fits. And we would love to share those moments because you guys um, are the reason why our movement has grown to this capacity. It was not anticipated, but we are so grateful to be able to have you guys in this community, um, our menace society, to be able to try to reform every space we go in. So thank you guys. Mm-hmm. With that, we love you and respect you and don't forget to be a menace. Yep. Uh, <laughs>